Hello and welcome to today's podcast on anxiety, self-care and COVID-19. Thank you for joining me. Today I'm going to take you through a little bit about what happens in your body when it comes across a threat like COVID-19. Some of the things that are going on in society that contribute to the anxiety around it and what you can do to help yourself. I don't have a magic wand, I can't make it disappear, but engaging in proactive and reactive self-care strategies is the best way you can stop whatever you're experiencing turn into long-term mental health problems. So there just might be something here that's useful for you or for someone you love. So for those of you who don't know me yet, my name's Kim Dunn, I'm a psychologist and today I'm going to be talking about anxiety, self-care and COVID-19, which is a pretty huge topic. So I'm not going to pretend to cover everything. What I'm going to try and do is just explain a little bit of the process about what's happening with your emotions at the moment and your feelings and some of the things we can do to help okay so i want to start with the fear response fear is one of the basic human emotions and it gets triggered when we experience a threat something we think is threatening our safety our life and the brain doesn't distinguish really well between threats so it's going to respond the same to a lion or a tiger jumping up in front of you as it is to COVID-19 all it knows is there's something there right now that is a threat to you and when the threat is perceived it sends a message to the um, doesn't matter we're not going to go into you know physiological details too much but it sends a message to the brain that it has to do something that if it doesn't act something bad is going to happen to you mm -hmm. so what we have is all these little neurotransmitters and all floating around the body firing up with the impact that you are going to experience your heart beating quicker because it wants to pump blood around to your muscles to get them ready your breath is going to change we want to get more oxygen in so they can fill our blood cells and float around the body and our hormones we have all sorts of hormones going off including adrenaline and cortisol and it's like they get your ready get your body ready to act quickly so it's what we call an acute stress response otherwise known as flight fight and freeze response so you're in this state that's all good and if you want um, a little bit more idea of what that feels like imagine that you're about to go for a run and you get into that position and your muscles tense up because mm -hmm, they're getting ready to act your um you start 
that deep that breathing happening to get that oxygen flowing so which is fine you run your race and it's over just like you face a threat and it's gone but what happens with COVID is that it's not going away anytime quickly so the threat is there but your fear switch is, is staying on because the threat isn't going. So therefore you can go into a chronic stress reaction which has negative impacts on your body. It can cause things like headache. It can cause, it affects all parts of your body. Headache, stomach problems, skin problems, respiratory problems. If you're sick, it makes you, can make you even sicker make you prone to illness you get exhausted it has this whole impact because there's no off switch all right so then what happens because that's the fear of motion okay but how we react is individual so there's that basic physiological response that happens to most people and we don't even think about that it happens instinctively then we have the individual come into it which is you and you bring into it your past experiences your resources your cognitive capacity your strengths um, your past traumas your current physical and mental health your ability to step back and perceive things rationally you know all of these things you bring to this emotion that's fear and it turns into your feelings, okay? So some people will get really anxious, some will be petrified, some will be mildly concerned, some will be nervous or stressed or worried, and you will have your own vocabulary and your own feeling response to this. Most common feeling response to prolonged threat is it's gonna be anxiety. Other things will go along with that, such as anger and sadness um, and probably surprise and a whole range of things. But for today's purposes, we're going to stick with anxiety. And we know from research done into the very early days, like the first month of the coronavirus, that there was a huge increase in anxiety and depression amongst people measured. Um, and there will be much more research come out as this goes along. So... What do you do with with all this? You've got the fear response. How? What's happening to the community? This is a really good example if we look at what's going on in the community about the impact of the flight, fight and freeze. So the fight response, which is the one that wants to tackle the tiger and remove the threat, that's coming through in things like defiance of government rules coming through like getting you know arguing with the government and arguing about the rules it's also coming through in things like um, not taking not wanting to be tested right so we've got this defiance we're standing up to this threat in any way we can and we can't directly attack the threat so we're looking at what we can attack around it mm -hmm. and then you've got a flight response and we can see that in people who are fleeing to their holiday homes. You know, that's a really obvious, I'm getting out of here, I'm getting as far away from it as I can. But also people who 
won't go outside at all, even to exercise. You know, they're, fle they're, they're fleeing from it. They're not having, putting themselves, exposing to it in any way at all. And the freeze are seeing people who can't cope and can't react to the changes that are going on around them. So they're doing things like just staying, binge watching Netflix um, and just not making any changes and just being being stuck. They're not creating new routines. They're just coping the best they can by not doing much at all. So that's the phrase. So I'm curious as to know where you fit in this and maybe you've flicked around between between those responses as well. Okay, so also in terms of anxiety, there's what you bring to it, but there's also um, what society is bringing to it, the systemic factors. And that's things like whether you're a vulnerable member of the population, um, that comes into it. Um, and what the virus is exposing, or one of the things it's exposing is the differences between the haves and the have-nots. We saw that with the um, public housing towers just being put straight into lockdown. And there's been a lot of community debate about whether if it was a lot of wealthy people in those towers, whether the same thing would have happened. Who knows? And I also know in terms of people who have holiday homes and can have escaped and um, are basically seeing out lockdown in a really nice environment. Even if they don't have holiday homes, they just might have a beautiful house and they might have gardens and, and live in an area where there's natural beauty. And then there's people in units and apartments and homes that have no gardens. And also we can see this division happening within society. And when you see other people doing lockdown much easier than you, you know, there's, there's other feelings that come into that and certainly you know, feed into your anxiety as well. So um, lack of control. So lack of control also adds to anxiety. And let's face it, we are not a community or a society that like being told what to do. And the amount of control the government is having I'm not debating whether that's necessary or not necessary. We're just looking at, it's a fact. We have much more control being taken away from us over how we live our lives than what we ever have. And that's going to create anxiety and uncertainty because there's all these questions our logical brain can't answer. Things like, how long is it going to go for? How bad are the controls going to get? Is this, you know, the thin edge of a wedge? Is the control going to get worse? And lots of questions. And then we have the uncertainty. How, how big are the numbers going to get? Where's it going to pop up next? Which suburb's going to be hit with a harder lockdown? What happens if I get sick and my family can't see me? So we're also living with all this uncertainty as well. And of course, isolation. So we're trying very hard in these COVID times to do virtual connection because that's the main sort of connection we have. We also have people um, talking to others through, through windows um, and doorways. But the fact of the matter is the people who are most vulnerable 
So the elderly, the disabled, people who are living by themselves, people who are living in abusive relationships, these people are going to suffer the most. You know, the people at the edges are going to suffer the most. Whilst return travellers are getting put up in luxury hotels, what are normal people doing? So lots of factors impacting on anxiety and associated feelings. And I wish I could say it's going to go away soon. I wish I could say just to hang on there and it'll all go back to normal. But I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't know how long it's going to go for. So what can you do? What can you do? The good news is there are things you can do. Because otherwise this would be a pretty depressing um, podcast and vlog that I'm doing here. And... So let's have a look at some of the things you can do. First of all, you can minimise your exposure to the fear trigger, which is the news cycle. All right, we, whether it's TV, whether it's radio or social media or Twitter or whatever, newspapers, they still exist. People still read them. Do you really need to hear all that over and over again? Because every time you hear it, your fear response gets triggered because it's like a new threat. Your brain is not smart enough to automatically know that it's the same thing you're hearing over and over again. So restrict yourself to once or twice a day catching up with the news. That's you and your kids. Um, if possible, depending on the age of your children, filter the news for them. Give it to them in age-appropriate terms that they can understand. Be factual while being age-appropriate. Okay, um, so that's the first thing. You know, reduce your exposure to the trigger. The second thing is to calm your body. All right, your body's having a stress response. You know, all these what's called the sympathetic nervous system is going. Your hormones are going. Your blood's pumping, you might be starting to sweat and tremble and no. you need to calm your body, whether that's through calm walking or breathing or you know, being mindful and being in the moment, whether it's through progressive muscle relaxation, which is simply um, tightening your muscles and then releasing them. You might be one who likes yoga or Pilates or one of those sorts of things. And there are lots of ways, but to incorporate some sort of calming your body process. The third one is to create some certainty, to create a new routine for you and your family. Doesn't have to be big, doesn't have to be a daily routine. It could be one thing. It might be you sit down and have afternoon tea together. It could be you go for a walk together or every morning at 11 o'clock you have biscuits and coffee. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. But your mind will thank you if you do some sort of regular routine. Um, and the fourth one that I've got is to work on your positive emotions. You know, things like practicing your gratitude and particularly self-compassion. All right, that's a big one, self-compassion. And I'll put a link somewhere to a self-compassion exercise. 
Right, so there's some basics, but what I want to do is delve into a little bit of the five foundations of self-care that I use in my self-care programs and just give you an example from each section that might be a little bit different um, because we hear the same same things over and over again about what to do and I've probably just gone through that with you. So here's just something a little bit different. So the first one, emotional regulation, which is doing something that makes you laugh because humour is such a powerful tool even when it feels like there's nothing there that's funny. Um, videos, you know, or DVDs or shows that you know, you know, cause you to chuckle or smile or laugh. Sit down and watch them. Um, look up joke of the day. Make sure when you're speaking to someone and you're checking in with them that you're not just ruminating about everything that's wrong. Tell them something funny or different that's happened in your day. You know, there will be something in there. Even if it's laughing at something silly you did yourself. Try and get your daily dose of humour. Right? So that's an emotional thing. Cognition. Focus on what you have control over. Now, I'm going to suggest a journaling activity. If you've never done journaling and you'd like some tips, um, comment if you're watching this or send me an email if you're listening to the podcast. Um, I'm happy to help you with that. But it's simply, in the simplest form, it's just, you need a pen, you need something to write with, okay? And the prompts I'm going to give you are, I can control or I have control over. So give, find yourself a quiet spot and a quiet moment and start with the prompts and do, you know, fill up a whole page and go, I have control over, and it might be what time I go to bed. I have control over what I eat for breakfast. I have control over whatever it is and fill up a whole sheet with the things that you have control over. So that's from the cognition, right? Physical. So we've talked um, a little bit about calming body using physical techniques, but a big one's a daily walk. And it's so good on so many levels to get it out. Particularly, one of the things with physical exercise is that pre-COVID, I don't know about you, but I used to do a lot of what we call incidental exercise. So that's exercise that's not planned. You don't go, okay, two o'clock today, I'm getting on my boots and coat and I'm going for a walk. Or I'm driving to the park and going for a run. Incidental is exercise you fit into normal everyday life. So when my kids were doing activities, I'd go along and while I was watching them train or play, I would walk. I'm there anyway, so I'm going to walk <laughs> and walk. Um, but there's no activities at the moment. And I'm sure you will have examples in your life where that incidental activity has been taken away from you. So daily walk, but my fun one for the physical side of things is to dance. Put on some music, put on your Spotify playlist or however you listen to music or just dance without music. Get up, move your body. We are sitting and sitting and sitting and it's not good for us physically or mentally. Movement is a wonderful stress release. So dancing is my suggestion from the physical side of things. So we've done three, three of the five foundations, which is physical, emotion, and cognitive. So the fourth and fifth, 
The fourth is meaning. So how are you going to do things that have meaning for you while you're in lockdown or experiencing the threat that COVID is bringing, even if you're not in lockdown? The opportunities for meaning may have changed, so how are you going to express them? So for an example, someone told me a wonderful example, you know, their meaning is around, you know, looking, being out in nature and experiencing nature, but they can't get there. How can you bring nature and how can you bring that into your life without actually going there? Whether that's indoor plants, whether it's a courtyard garden, whether it's a screensaver that's of a, of a nature place or on your phone or on your or desktop. For me, the meaning um, hasn't changed that much because I can still help people this way rather than face to face. So I found a different way of tapping into my meaning, but it's still there and it's even more important in these times to tap into that. And once again, if you'd like a bit more information on meaning and how you discover what your meaning is and what your values are and what's important to you, send me um, an email, comment, and I'm happy to respond to that as well. So the fifth foundation of self-care that I use is connection. And what I'm going to suggest in this one is a reconnection with yourself. Okay? Because connections with others are, are tenuous at the moment or virtual, but you're always there. So you can practice connecting with yourself. And this is about acknowledging how you're feeling and how you're going. And it might sound a bit weird, but just bear, bear with me for a minute. You might be scared of acknowledging how you're feeling, or you might be totally stuck in the feeling. Either way, this little activity can help. So here's an example. Oh, I could say, I'm so anxious. I'm so worried about what might happen. And I can feel, I can feel my heart, my chest in response to those words. No, I'm, I'm stuck. Anxiety is part of me when I say this. If I say something though like, oh, I'm feeling really anxious about this. I notice I'm feeling really anxious. I, I can, I can, feel, I can feel my body react to my anxiety. I'm feeling anxious. I know I'm anxious. I can notice I'm anxious. What you're doing is you're putting other words in between. Hi, Noni. Between you, your feeling, and you're creating some space. Um, there will be notes, show notes that accompany this and it'll explain it in a little bit more detail. But that's the thing about emotion is to practice not being scared of it and practice having a different relationship with it. it. Might sound a bit tricky and that's okay if this is totally new to you. And that's why I've given you quite a few different options about how to manage the anxiety because there'll be a couple of them you think, yeah, no, that doesn't sound like me. Whereas there might be another one you go, oh, I'm going to give that a go. You don't have to do all of them. Just something in there that can help. So all these feelings and upping your self-care and making that effort to practice what we call both reactive and proactive self-care, because we're in this for the long haul, 
that's going to help you not let COVID leave you with a legacy of ongoing long-term mental health difficulties because that's what we're facing. We're not just facing the physical threat, we're facing poorer emotional mental health long-term. That's why I'm recording this because I don't want that for you and you don't want that for you. Okay, so that ends this as I said, there's a few things in there while you're listening or watching. If you would like more information or follow up, contact me, please. Check the show notes because I'm going to try and make them as detailed as I can this time around as well. Okay, so thank you very much for joining me today. Bye for now.